Loved, cherished, comforted. Welcome to the podcast ministry of Our Resolute Hope, where you will find grace, not just a concept or a doctrine of grace, but a person, a person whose name is Jesus, a person who brings hope, a determined, resolute hope that can sustain you and empower you to live courageously in this fallen world. Join us now as we learn more about Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our life. Dear ones, we're so blessed that you join us today on this episode of the Our Resolute Hope podcast. John Russin here. I'd like to call myself the host, but <laughs> really I'm not. I just try to corral my friend, Pastor Frank Friedman, and help to keep him on topic. How are you today, my friend? Hey, doing pretty good with lots of rabbit trails tucked away in my pocket. So, Oh, good. <laughs> Hopefully they'll be fat rabbits. There well, you friends, go. if this is the first time you've joined us, Frank and I are in the middle of a multi-week conversation on a very painful topic, at least it is for many of us, and that is the topic of forgiving others arguably among the hardest things that we will ever do, but arguably one of the most important things we'll ever do because it's the only way we can walk free from those who have wounded us. And mm. Frank, last time we were talking about another reason that we are commanded by Father to forgive those who wound us, forgive others. And that's for the sake of our physical, emotional, and mental health. And that does seem like an odd approach for Father to take, but you had some interesting comments last time, Frank, on why Father is concerned about our emotional and mental health. I wonder if you can just recap those briefly before we dive into today's topic. I would maybe just put it in the context of relationship. We were all designed to be in relationship, but we were all designed to have boundaries in those relationships because we were made persons, a person made in the image of God. And if we're made in the image of God, then we have value and we have significance. And we were supposed to be treated with value and honor and respect and courtesy. And so that's what those boundaries were there for. And we all had them and we were supposed to respect them. We have a little drawbridge, but we lower so that we can have relationship. But John, when somebody hurts us, we had the ability to pull up that drawbridge and say, excuse me, John, please don't talk to me like that. That was hurtful. And you would say, oh, I'm sorry, forgive me. And I would lower that drawbridge back down and you and I would have relationship from within our boundaries. That's wonderful. We pull that drawbridge up and down all day long. But what happens is when we get hurt sometimes, we pervert our drawbridge. There are some people, John, who are so starved because of their separation from God, their personalities, their histories, their backgrounds, their wounds, they leave their drawbridge down. Those are people who are going to get repeatedly used, abused, and victimized. Now, that's not our discussion in this series. The other extreme is we pull that drawbridge up and baby, we're going to leave it up and we're going to make vows that nobody's ever going to hurt us again. And when that happens, our beautiful boundaries morph into a castle of self-protection. And when that happens, we're not loving people and people cannot break through and be able to love us because our drawbridge isn't down 
we won't let them love us. This is not the way we were designed to live. And I hope by speaking about it metaphorically with those ideas of boundaries and castles that our listeners out there maybe tuning in to what we're trying to say. And forgiveness yeah. is the only way. we got to lower that drawbridge. Indeed it is, which is why Father <laughs> commands us to do it. Mm. But you know, Frank, both you and I for many years struggled with this. And as we look around in the body of Christ, many of our sisters and brothers continue to struggle with this. They receive wounds. Of course, everyone gets wounded in this world. Mm. And they don't approach their wounds with the first thought being, okay, as we've talked about before, I've got to embrace the pain, I've got to own it, mm -hmm. and then I have to set my mind and choose to forgive them. Many don't do that. Mm -hmm. and instead, as we talked about, I think, two or three episodes ago, they choose to leave things as they are, sweep them under the rug, and then they choose to be a peacekeeper, Mm -hmm. rather than a peacemaker. And as I've thought about it, you know, you and I have used those two phrases a lot over the years. Being a peacemaker is hard work. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to deep wounds like this, being a peacemaker can be very disruptive, especially when the wounds are within groups of friends or families. Mm. Oh my goodness. Being a peacemaker might involve us confronting our offender, calling out the offense perhaps publicly. And if it's public, maybe reputations can be tarnished. Mm. Frank, if it's criminal, there might be a legal charge. Mm -hmm. But if we really love our offender, if we love ourselves, we will want to bring peace to this relationship. And sometimes forgiving the offense needs to go even further to addressing it and working or at least giving an opportunity for relationship to be restored. So mm -hmm. I can see why people sweep things under the rug because the alternative leads you down a pretty bumpy path at times, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. And, and you know, John, there really is a third one. <laughs> it's not in scripture, but well, maybe it is, but it's not identified. Peacekeeper, we don't want that peacemaker that's what we want but maybe the third one would be called a peace breaker or a peace hater and there's a whole nother side of this equation i probably fall more into this one where when somebody wounds me oh i'm going to be angry about this for a long time you know what i mean i'm not sweeping it under the rug i am keeping it at the forefront of my mind and i'll be Damned if I'm going to forgive you and want to have a relationship you know, with you. Are you sure you're not Sicilian? Because we have a phrase, you're dead to me. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Yeah. And, you know, in my journey, I've had to work to shorten that process from what used to be years to sometimes now is months, <laughs> weeks, in some instances, a few days or hours. But that's a whole other side of the spectrum is wanting to forgive because you really would rather have your 10 pounds of flesh. Oh, yeah. I mean, who wants to forgive? Mm -hmm. If we're commanded, that implies sort of, at least in my mind, that 
we're not going to want to do this as choice number one. <laughs> we're going to go, well, what's in box number two? What else is mm. behind door number three? Is there another path to follow? Kind of like I, Jesus in Gethsemane. You there say, you any go. Any other way, man. I'm so glad you brought that up. I was going to bring that up. This is a huge point for our people out there, John. I have had people tell me in the counseling arena, all right, Frank, I understand what you're teaching, what the scriptures teach. Forgiveness is for me. It's the best thing I can do for myself. It's what Father commands me to do. It's the right thing, the best thing. It will set me free. But I can't do it. I'll do it when I'm ready. And I'll say, okay, what is ready? And they say, when I feel like it. And that's where I have to challenge them. What if you don't feel like it? Well, I have to wait until I feel like it or it won't count. And that's the lie. And you just brought it up. The Lord Jesus Christ, he did not feel like going to that cross. <laughs> he prayed, Father, is there any other way, right? But then he said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours. I will obey. I will make the choice. And so, John, there are people I have forgiven with my fists clenched and my teeth gritted and saying to God, Father, I don't feel like doing this at all. But because you've commanded it, I will make the choice and I choose to forgive them. And John, that counts. Yeah, it counts. Yep. Now I begin the process where my feelings will eventually one day line up with what I've done. And so, you know, when the enemy comes along and says, you didn't mean that, well, that's irrelevant. I did it. <laughs> or I'll say, I know how I feel, but what's the truth? The truth is I forgave. I walk in harmony with the choice I made, which was a choice according to truth. And one day, I believe the feelings will get in line. But until they do, we make the choice to live in accordance with what we did. We looked last time at Psalm 19, Frank, when Father gives us a command to do something. God's word is true. It's reliable. It's trustworthy. Psalm 19 says... The law of the Lord is perfect, and it revives the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, makes the simple wise. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. So we can trust him that his words in Psalm 19 are true for us, mm. and that this reality will be ours once we grit our teeth and choose to walk in obedience. It might not be immediately, but he made that promise that he will restore. And I hang on that, Frank, because sometimes mm -hmm. forgiving is really hard. Oh, my goodness. As I shared with you a couple weeks ago, your words from 30 years ago never left my brain. Uh, when you forgave some people that had really wounded you, and you said that was like going through surgery with no anesthesia, but the surgery got done. It is hard work, John. One of the things we have to realize, there's a cost to forgiveness. And the forgiver is the one who pays the cost. You know, the Lord Jesus forgave. He paid the price for it. 
with his life, with his suffering on the cross. And in a sense, that's what we do as well. We grant forgiveness in a moment in time, but then we bear the price of the forgiving until hopefully there is a restoration. We bear the loss, we bear the sorrow, we bear the wound. And I think, John, that's part of what it means when Paul said, we fellowship in his sufferings. We know what it means to be a forgiver, and it's not an easy road. That's right. My friend, you made a reference earlier in your opening comments to a beautiful picture a drawbridge as a descriptor of how we manage relationships. I'd like to spend a few moments unpacking that. You referenced quickly that there are some folks who always have their relationship drawbridge down. And I look at those folks as kind of like doormats with no boundaries and no clear sense of personal value no clear sense of their worth as children of God. So as Mm. people constantly assault them with hurts and wounds, sadly, I've seen many become callous to it, Frank. It doesn't Mm -hmm. even bother them anymore. Mm -hmm. And when you get callous to that, you're going to get callous to many other aspects of life too. So this is a way to deal with wounding that it looks so calm and peaceful and holy on the outside, but inside you're just becoming numb. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's just a silent tragedy that I've seen so many times over the years. Mm -hmm. How about you? Oh, John, I saw a lot of it. And usually these are people who were abused as children. When I say abused, I'm not just talking about physical abuse and sexual abuse, though that certainly qualifies. Those kinds of abuses destroy the value and significance that a child should have. It destroys their boundaries. And so there really is no drawbridge to be able to pull up because they don't think they have any significance or value. But John, it's also those abuses where children were not affirmed. It's the verbal abuse. It's the indifference. I've had people, adults in my office, who cannot recall a single time where a mother or father ever told them they love them. And so that, again, is an abuse. We don't typically think of that as abuse, but indifference is the purest form of hatred, and it destroys people. And so the danger of these people, John, is when your drawbridge is down and stays down, there's going to be a lot of people that cross that drawbridge into your life that don't have your well-being at heart. That's right. So usually these people are the ones who are going to be abused again and again and again and taken advantage of again and again. And John, There's only one cure for that, and that's not forgiveness. This is a a really unrelated topic. That will come later. But the first step of cure is them understanding who they are in Christ, that they are loved, that they are accepted, that they are significant, that they have value, that the living God of the universe laid down his life for them that he calls them his children, that he is pleased with them, uh, loves them to the uttermost. They need to have the schmaltzy 
put back into them of their personhood made in the image of God so that when someone's crossing that bridge or attempting to cross that bridge with ill will, they will have that fortitude within them, the tenacity that comes from knowing who you are, that you will pull that drawbridge up and say, excuse me, mister, excuse me, lady, you will not talk to or treat a child of God like that. And that's the cure for that. You know, my friend, that opens up another <laughs> a bunch of thoughts that might form the basis of your future podcast series. Who knows? <laughs> but good thoughts. All right. So let's jump from the folks who leave their relationship drawbridge permanently down mm. to the other group. And this is most of us. Mm -hmm. uh, we take up our drawbridge and we leave it up. As I said earlier, you're dead <clears throat> to me, you know? And so, you know, folks like that, they take this offense. It almost becomes it seems counterintuitive. It becomes like a treasure to them. You know, the wound occurred once in time, hmm. but they juggle it over and over and over it again. So the wound keeps on wounding. Mm -hmm. How many young guys do you know, myself included? She betrayed me years ago, but in my mind, she betrays me many times each and every day. And so hmm. we drag the past into the present and we call it normal. And Frank, you have said many times that the problem with this approach is that God's name is not, I was. So if you try mm -hmm. to drag the past forward, you're not going to get anywhere. God's name is I am. You won't find him in the past. Mm -hmm. You find him only in the present. What did you mean by that? Well, John, this is a huge concept. I hope our listeners can lay hold of it. The way we were designed, every single one of us was designed to have our drawbridge down. So to keep our drawbridge up is contrary to who we are. So the question we ask is, well, then where do we get the power to do that? And it comes from focusing on the past. Like you said, it may have happened one time in 1990, but our minds have the ability to rewind and play and rewind and play. And we parade it into the present with the motto of, if only, and it's that blame game from Genesis, if only they hadn't done that, I'd be different. And it creates an incredible emotional power of hurt and anger. And it's that emotional power that keeps our drawbridge up. And so we tell people, God's name is not I was. Grace is available in the moment. A relationship can only be experienced in the moment. A radio plugged in only draws power in the moment. It can't function what you had the radio tuned to 40 days ago. That's past. You can't bring the past into the present. It's an impossibility. So if God's name is I am, you're never going to find him in the I was. You will tackle that memory that you're bringing into the present alone with your own resources. And your resources aren't up to the demand. And you're going to be riddled with hurt and anger. And you're going to make vows like nobody's ever going to hurt me again. And you're going to pull that drawbridge up and you're going to be a very lonely man or woman. John, there was an old song, Simon and Garfunkel, 
hiding in my room, safe within that womb. I touch no one and no one touches me. I am a rock. I am an island. And a rock feels no pain. And an island never cries. And you know, John, that's the experience of many. But the problem is they're a person made in the image of God. They're not a rock. They're not an island. They're destroying the purpose for which they were created, which was to enjoy God and enjoy his creation and enjoy the people in their lives. What a tragedy. Yes. And you mentioned earlier <clears throat> that when people make vows, they've hurt me in the past. I will never give them a chance to hurt me again. And so we build a wall of protection. You know, we shepherd circumstances, we manage relationships, we keep our emotional distance to protect ourselves. But you said it very plainly when we do that, those boundaries, they get reinforced almost into strongholds, walls, prisons mm. that not only keep people out, because man, they are so good at keeping people out. But the biggest tragedy is that Christ in you never gets released. And mm. the world is robbed of Christ in Frank. Christ in John, Christ in Janet, Christ in Terry. The world gets robbed of that unique expression of the life of Jesus in each of us because mm. it's wrapped up inside a shell, inside of a wall, behind bricks, behind steel plates. And it's just a tragedy that we never get to make an impact for the kingdom because we're too busy protecting ourselves from letting all those things happen again. Mm-hmm. And John, you made a very profound statement that I don't know if our listeners caught. The life of Christ, it may be in you, but it won't be able to get out because the way we were designed, Jesus never violates our free will, and he never created robots. We have to cooperate. We have to do the forgiving, which will lower the drawbridge, which will turn the castle of self-protection back into healthy boundaries. But if we don't cooperate, we forfeit the opportunity to touch the world as the unique expression of his life that he made us to be. And John, I don't know if we have time for this. I'm sure you're going to bring it up, but it's not just going to the past. We start to project in the future with our oh, vow. We certainly can, and we are close to the end, but we've got time for that. I made a mention of uh, making a vow, and I'm going to speak from a little bit of a personal circumstance, if I may. My big betrayal when it comes to ladies didn't happen in 1990. It happened in 1974, so a long time ago. And so I made this statement. I didn't know this at the time, but this sort of settled into my brain. She betrayed me years ago, so I can't trust women. And so mm. I make a vow. I will not, as a step of self-protection, not going to trust women. Now, I'm married. <laughs> <laughs> and so you can see what kind of a wrinkle that's going to cause until Jesus took that carpet and beat the dust out of it and got mm. it laying flat again. When you make vows against the future, you shackle yourself mm. to the offender. You shackle yourself to the circumstance. And you basically wrap yourself up in steel so you can't ever be 
who God created you to be. The gifts he's given you, the talents, the abilities, the desires can't ever get out because they're wrapped up in shackles. And mm -hmm. another bad thing about it is that when I'm there, my mind is focused on my offender. Mm. And so I freeze my offender at arguably maybe the worst moment of his life. <laughs> and so mm. I craft him not as a human, but I craft him as a monster. And mm. I keep him as a monster because, hey, it's easy to not forgive a monster. Mm -hmm. So I wind up locking myself into a lifetime of fury because mm. I've got to be furious if I'm going to maintain my anger and I've got to maintain my anger because there's this monster out there and I can't ever let him in again. I know that's a mouthful mm. of stuff that we could talk no. about for a long time, but that's kind of how I see all this. Mm -hmm. And it all gets resolved by saying three words, I forgive you. Mm. And the shackles begin to fall off. We begin to stand up straight. We begin to walk as Father created us to walk. We begin to hear him as we've never heard him and express him as we've never expressed him before. And mm. Frank, I know this from the depths of personal experience, that it go. is 100% true. Psalm 19 is right. There you go. Yeah, I think this is another aspect that, again, a lot of people don't think about, John. A lot of people always think about the past. This happened, this happened, this happened. But what we do to ourselves is, uh-oh, it might happen again. And not just with that monster. Uh-oh, there's a whole bunch of monsters out there. And where the motto of the past was, if only, the motto of the future is, what if? Oh, and yeah. We fall into imaginations. They create fear and anxiety that provides the emotional power. And we once again have the ability to pull our drawbridge up and act contrary to who we are. And just as I was is not God's name, I will be is not God's name. You will not find God when you go into the future. You only find him yeah. in the moment. And John, if you don't find God, I have observed it. You've observed it, and I think it's right out of Scripture, Proverbs 18. It's easier to win a fortified city than it is to win a wounded brother. And the summary is, his contentions are like bars. That castle of self-protection that we make to defend ourselves becomes a prison of our own making and locks us in to others to prevents us from being who we are. And John, it even locks God out. That's right. He made us the light of the world. But if the light's in a bushel, who's going to see the light? This is exactly what we're talking about, Frank, hmm. that we need to have the courage to take the bushel off and be the light our father created us to be. Now, it's not an easy path. It can be very painful at times. But I tell you what, bro, there's no way I'm climbing back under that bushel ever again. <laughs> All right, my uh, friend, one last phrase and wrap us up. Well, freedom will do that to you, John. <laughs> when you live in bitterness and anger and self-protection 
and then you finally forgive, I think you begin to experience love again and life again, the way God intended you to. And having a taste of the life we can have will prevent you from going back to the life you did have when you tried to protect yourself by your own control and playing the role of God instead of bringing your hurts to God. And like Job and Paul and David and Peter and Joseph and so many others, finding God in a way you never knew him, finding him in a way that is enough to stand in this world, no matter what the world throws against you. Well said, my friend. Well, dear ones, we thank you for joining us today. We apologize for going a little long, but I think the rabbit trail yielded a little fat rabbit today, as Frank <laughs> likes to say. And if the podcast has ministered to you, we encourage you to check out our website. You'll find us at OurResoluteHope.com. And there's a way you can support us. Actually, two ways. The most important way is for you to pray for us. You know, lift us up, pray for wisdom, discernment, understanding, pray for direction for Frank and me and for the entire Our Resolute Hope ministry effort. And should Father lay upon your heart, click the donate button. We will gladly receive your gift as a gift from the hand of our Father. While you're there, spend some time, look around, articles, devotionals, ebooks, newsletters, etc., all centered on Jesus Christ as our very life. Of course, follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram. Frank manages both of those. I'm in charge of the YouTube channel, so we'll be putting up some new stuff soon. So keep an eye out for that. And as always, we close with the very same reminder we've always closed with from Hebrews chapter 6, that we have this hope as an anchor for our souls. It's a living hope. It's a steadfast, immovable, blessed hope, Paul told Titus. So today and always, choose that hope and choose Jesus. Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today. And you know that no matter what you're facing, He offers you Himself, His own life. He wants to live His life with you, in you, and through you as you trust Him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to Our Resolute Hope Podcast. For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.